Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Topical with Michael Schaefer. This is me, your host, Michael Schaefer. Let's get into it. It's been a big week. Australia has voted no to uh, the referendum. Australians were asked, hey, um, we got a group of people that have suffered uh, genocide. They have had their land taken from them. They had a generation of kids stolen. And to this day, they still find themselves uh, subjected to over-policing and uh, deaths in custody. As a result of all of that, would you like to let them have, like, just this little thing? It's like this little voice. They're going to have, like, a little body of people that can kind of advise the government on new laws that might pertain to them. Would you like to give them just that little bit, just a little token, a little gesture of 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 empathy, a little bit of like, hey, we get it. You've had a rough time of things. Here's our way of letting you know that. And we hope this helps you feel a bit better about everything. And hopefully, uh, you know, this won't affect my life, but it, it might impact you a little bit. That's what Australians were asked. And 60% of people said, go fuck yourself, you piece of shit. I will not be divided by the woke elites. I will not be told to, what to do by bloody Waleed Ali. I will not, I will not uh, get vaccinated. That wasn't on the ballot, but I think it was kind of in people's minds. So people have voted no. 60% of the country voted no. I think there has to be a bit of an autopsy now as to why people voted no. I know one of the strongest arguments that I saw put out by the no campaign that seemed to take hold in the minds of people was this idea of division. Because I saw a lot of people commenting this on on my videos on social media being like, no, the voice will divide us. It'll be divisive. And thank God we voted no, because honestly, the country's never been more united, hasn't it? I mean, Australians have really, we've really banded together. We've really come together. Sure, Indigenous people still have a life expectancy, you know, like 20 years less than white people. And sure, they have fewer educational opportunities. And sure, there's fewer chances for them to actually um, get employment and make gainful contributions to society. Sure, that's still there, but thank God we're not divided. I mean, thank God that we're finally unified. Thank God that the country came together and decided, let's keep things as they are, because I think it's fine. And maybe it's not fine for them, but they're only 4% and we're like 96%. So it's fine. Let's just keep things as they are. Let's not touch things. If it ain't, as they say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, and sure, it is broke, but it doesn't affect me. So let's also not fix it. I think that the no campaign won mostly because I think it did play up on people's ignorance. Like it kind of encouraged people to remain ignorant about what they were actually voting on. Because literally the, the big slogan of the campaign was, if you don't know, vote no. Now, Say what you want about the no campaign. That is a very effective message. So first of all, it rhymes. If you're going to cut through to Australians, it's got to rhyme. So remember the Liberals came out and were like, hey, 
if you vote for Labor, it won't be easy under Albanese. And I know they lost that election, but that slogan had real cut through because I still think about it today. And every time, you know, interest rates go up, I think oh, it's not easy under Albanese. So even me as someone who wasn't really like impacted by that slogan enough to change my vote, even I still think about that slogan every day because rhymes work. They just stick in your in your head. I mean, Lumobile will come to you. 13, 30, 32. We all know that advertisement, even though it hasn't been on Australian TV for at least 30 years, we remember it because of the rhyme. And if like I can't I don't know my my dad's phone number, but I know the number for Lubemobile because my dad has never given me his phone number in a clever rhyme format. So it's just saved in my phone. I don't know the number off by heart. If any, if I ever needed to like give an emergency contact to someone and I couldn't access my phone, I'd have to put down Lumobile 133032 uh, relationship um, nostalgia, I guess would be what I'd have to put on the form. Because rhymes work, they really, they stick in your head. I mean, remember the plebiscite votes? Remember how powerful, hey, it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve? That's not bad. That's not bad at all. I mean, it's not a great slogan because it does rely on people kind of having an affinity for the Bible and most Australians are secular. But still, that's not bad. Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Everyone's like, well, yeah, it rhymes. Because when something rhymes, it sounds like it's natural. It sounds like it's a naturally occurring idea if something rhymes. Even though, of course, it's artificial and it's just been concocted by some marketing team on cocaine somewhere in the back room of a lobby office in Canberra. Even though that's where it's come up with. When it is presented to you in the rhyme format, you go, bang, That's that's got to be correct. Nothing that rhymes could be untrue. That's just something that, that's an idea that I think exists in the minds of all Australians. And so, you know, don't know, vote no was clever because it basically said to people, hey, you don't know what this is. No one can really tell you exactly what it is. And that's true. No one could really say this is what the voice of parliament will be because you had to wait for it to be implemented. And then you'd have to wait and see, okay, like who's on the board how much you know? power do they have? When do they kind of advise gar- parliaments? All of that had to be fleshed out over time because you can't put all that specific stuff like literally into the constitution. You have to keep the constitution vague and broad so that it can evolve over time and so that you know when things go to the high court in the future and the high court has to decide what the constitution means, the high court can interpret it and, you know, massage things and mold things so that they can adapt over time. And that's why the proposal was deliberately vague in general, because everything in the Constitution has to be that way. A lot of people don't even know that the Constitution literally does not say that there is a Prime Minister of Australia. The Constitution does not specify that there will be a Prime Minister. It literally just says, like, there's going to be a governing party. Like, it doesn't say anything like the whole idea of having a prime minister is literally just an idea that we just kind of like came up with outside of the constitution and the high court whose job it is to decide what the constitution means was like yeah cool i guess we'll just go with having a prime minister like the point is that the constitution is so vague and 
therefore any referendum also has to be equally vague. And I think the No campaign was very clever at kind of exploiting and taking advantage of that vagueness, that generality, um, and saying, look, this is vague. You don't know what this is. And that is true. Like, they actually had a good argument there. Like, you don't really know what this is. I spoke with a couple of friends of mine the day of the vote, and these people were, like, highly educated, smart people. Then They weren't, you know, the idiots being, like, you know, on the internet being like, oh, we give them $6 billion a year and they bloody burn it to the ground. Like, they're not those guys. Like, one of them is a lawyer. I went to uni with him. Another one was a radiologist from Hobart. So, you know, these people live in inner city Melbourne, live in Hobart. Like, highly educated people, highly successful people. And, you know, part of, I guess, the uh, elite as... um the no campaign would label that would label them as part of the elite. And these two people who, you know, are part of the elite who you would think are going to vote yes. They actually said that they had voted no. And the reason why they had voted no was because they thought that the proposal was so vague that it could create, you know, more bureaucracy. It could create more red tape. And that every time the government wanted to pass a law or do something that this indigenous body might interfere with it and add an extra layer of bureaucracy to the legislative process. Now, I agree that that was like a theoretical possibility. That was a theoretical risk. Like, like you can't say that was never going to happen because there was a small, I think, remote possibility of the voice being that. But I, for me, I made a judgment call and I said, well, absolutely, there is that small risk that it could become bureaucratic red tape. But I think that risk is mitigated by the fact that the high court could come in and and just create some more rules around that to, to reduce the chance of this just becoming red tape. And also, I just think that compared to the potential positives of the voice, it kind of paled in comparison. I thought, well, but if we have a voice to parliament, that might actually help the government make laws um, to be more effective. And it actually might help Indigenous people feel more included in the process and less um, persecuted by white Australians, the symbolism of it in and of itself, I think would be powerful enough to justify that risk of bureaucracy and red tape. So that's kind of where I came from. But I guess the point to understand is that, you know, the idea of vagueness, the idea of not knowing exactly what this was, was a powerful motivator for the no campaign. And it wasn't just, you know, idiots who voted no, it was certainly smart, educated people who also voted no. So I think the way that you know, now it's being discussed in the media. People are saying, oh, well, you know, it was smart, educated people who who were the ones who voted yes. And it was uh, the dumb idiots from the bush who voted no. I think that's true to some extent, but we're also forgetting that there were also, there were also smart people who voted no because they understand how civics works and they understand how parliament works and they thought this was a bit too risky. But I do think it is interesting the way in which the no campaign did frame itself as like an anti-elitist campaign like the no campaign was like oh look at these elites in canberra these educated professors from the national australian national university these guys want to vote yes so you better vote no because you can't trust the the elites you can't trust the professors i gotta say there used to be a time where we where we did trust elites it, there used to be a time where like being elite was 
good. I think it's strange how we've come to a point in history where like being educated, being smart is now considered to be a bad thing, is now considered to be like something to be ashamed of because we used to celebrate intelligent, smart, elite people. I mean, you look at like the great philosophers of the Renaissance. You've got Voltaire and Rousseau and, you know, all the other ones. You know, we used to really like venerate these these elite smart brilliant minds of their time and now today if you're educated and you've been to a university everyone's just thinks oh look at this brainwashed idiot just lefty latte sipping greens voting inner city wanker he thinks he's better than me because he went to university and sure i dropped out of school in year eight and sure i've been on the dole for seven years but and look i lost all my money in crypto but who is this elite successful person to tell me how i should vote in this i just think it's bizarre that we will not respect elites i mean why is elite bad elite is good in all contexts people want their athletes to be elite it's everyone whenever you're like oh who should represent australia at the Olympics, everyone's like, oh, we should get we should get the elites in, obviously. We should get the people who have trained, who have gone on diets, who have, you know, uh, low uh, fat percentages, you know, who have healthy BMIs, who have skills, people who have have had a tennis racket in their hands since the age of six. You know, the, the pe- these are the people who we need, we, we need the elites to represent us at the Olympics. We look for elites. But then as soon as there's a political decision to be made or something that has to be decided by, you know, something that that relates to the way in which we govern ourselves. As soon as that is on the cards, we're like, nah, the fuck off. We don't want the elites. We need the true blue Aussie average bloke who doesn't really know, doesn't hasn't really heard of the constitution until now, but is pretty sure that don't know, vote no is correct because it rhymes. I just think we should stop disparaging elites because sometimes they're elite for a reason. Like, sometimes you want an elite. Like, if you're going to court, you want a lawyer who's elite. You don't want the guy who watched uh, The Castle once and thinks that he's now a constitutional law professor. You just... Sometimes elites are handy to have and sometimes we should actually listen to the elites i think it's interesting seeing how this referendum was very different to the plebiscite we had in 2017 on same-sex marriage because there are a lot of similarities and differences i mean of course the similarity was that we put this thing to a a public vote and it was like a yes no thing and everyone had a say and then basically the majority the majority won there was a very democratic process the the plebiscite and i think it's interesting to see how like so in the same-sex marriage plebiscite 62 percent of people voted yes uh and in the most recent referendum only 40 percent of people voted yes which is huge a huge uh difference now i'm trying to work out why there was such a significant difference i think it's because first of all everyone kind of knows someone who's gay 
because gay people make up a, a much greater proportion of the population than indigenous people. So I think, you know, like you would have conversations with your gay friends, you know, you'd come across gay people leading up to the plebiscite and then to vote no would kind of feel a bit mean because like you just saw them the day before and you said you were going to vote yes, you know, because you didn't want to have a fight. So, but, but with indigenous people, most Australians don't really have any contact with indigenous people ever really because most australians will like live in major cities where there are fewer indigenous populations the only reason i know some indigenous people is because i do comedy and comedy's a great way to ensure that you just meet everyone because everyone is attracted to like comedy just attracts people from all walks of life every color, every ethnicity, every religion, every gender, everything. So I've got friends and and colleagues and people I've known for years from like every potential background. So I've had a lot of conversations with indigenous people personally about the referendum. And so for me, it was kind of a a no brainer because I'd had those conversations. But I think the vast majority of Australians probably don't speak to indigenous people on a regular basis or perhaps even ever. Whereas you probably have a couple of gay mates. And let's be honest, everyone is like a little bit gay. A little bit. Like, I don't think anyone is, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, we talk about sexuality being on a spectrum. I think there's very few people that are like 100% straight. Equally, there's probably a few people who are just like 100% gay. Maybe like Elton John. He's, he's pretty gay. But, Like, everyone is, like, a little bit gay. I think everyone can, like, understand what it is to be a little bit gay. We've all got a bit of, like... Everyone's got, like, a small percentage of gay in them. I think that's my theory around sexuality. That everyone in the right circumstances would would turn just a little bit. Like, you know, they talk about prison gay. They talk about how men who are straight their entire lives, then they go into prison, and then within 12 months, you know, they're blowing a dude and... That's because they need that human connection and in the absence of any women, they get it from the men. Prison gay. And I just think everyone is like prison gay a little bit, just in the right circumstances. You know, maybe you know, maybe you go out one night uh, with your male friends, you're all drinking too much and you're on the dance floor and then uh, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody comes on and you're all singing the lyrics together, and then you remember Freddie Mercury, and how he was an icon of yours, and you remember he was gay, so maybe I should make out with Jason on the dance floor as a tribute to one of my my musical heroes. And so you become gay a little bit on the dance floor. I just think everyone has a bit of gay in them, and but no one really, we don't, you don't have a bit of indigenous in you. Like the, no one's just like a little bit indigenous, no one's like, oh, I think I'll pick up the didgeridoo today. No, I'm, I'm like, no one's like, oh, maybe I'll, I'll throw a boomerang or something. Like, no one's, everyone's a little bit gay, but I just don't think anyone's like a little bit indigenous. No one, like, very few people like have any like indigenous blood in them because you know the British uh, made sure of that. So I just think because indigenous people are, are so more removed from our lives than, for example, gay people. I think that's one of the reasons why so many people voted no. I also think 
a lot of people voted no because they didn't really see any benefits to them personally to vote yes. Like I think that people are kind of inherently a bit selfish. I think that you know there was this idea out there. There was just a lot of grievance out there in the country because you know people are struggling from the cost of living crisis and you know people's mortgages are going up and so many people out there are struggling. So this was a, a bad time to ask the population to, I guess, do a moral thing, like vote with your conscience. Because, you know, when you're having a bad day, you don't feel like being nice to other people. Like, I've noticed that when I give money to the homeless or I purchase the big issue, it always correlates with me having a good day. Like, if I'm in a good mood, I've just had a good gig and like a new joke that I've been working on finally pops. I'm in a good mood. I'm going to give to the homeless guy outside of the pub. I'm going to purchase the big issue that day. I'm in a good mood. I want to spread the love. But really, when you're in a bad mood and, and things are shit, you know, you can't, you're struggling to put food on the table. The bills are piling up. You don't really feel like just doing anything nice for anyone because you just feel this sense of like, oh, fuck off. You know, why am I being asked to help anyone when I'm struggling? Why am I being asked to help this group of people who sure they're struggling but what about me i'm also struggling and you're putting all this money and time and effort into their concerns and i feel like i'm being ignored so almost as a protest to that i'm going to vote no as a way of saying fuck off and i empathize with that position i understand that position i don't think it's emotionally mature i think it's not a rational position to take but I understand where people are coming from. They don't see a benefit to them. I think with the same-sex marriage vote, I think there was like a bit of a benefit to straight people to vote yes. Obviously, gay people, you know, many of them voted yes because they, they wanted to get married. It'd be pretty funny if you were a gay man and you voted no because you didn't want to feel the pressure uh, to get married the way that straight people feel pressure to get married. But... Of course, you know, gay people voted yes because they wanted equality and most same-sex, uh, most straight Australians voted yes. And I think a lot of them voted yes because in the back of their mind, they're like, a gay wedding would actually be pretty fun to go to. I think in the back of everyone's mind, there was that thought, okay, there might be something in this for me because gay people are, they're fun. Let's be honest, they're fun to hang around. They're a good hang and they know how to party. So it makes sense that you would want to give them the opportunity to get married because a wedding is basically a really fun party that someone else pays for, that you get to turn up to, free booze, lots of drinks. That's fun. I mean, we've all seen Mardi Gras. You know, there are so many times where I've seen Mardi Gras and been like, tell you what, the gays know how to have fun. I mean, they know how to do drugs. They know how to drink. You know, they know how to have just sex indiscriminately. It looks fun. And if you can take that energy to a wedding, that's great. So I think a lot of Australians were like, well, you know, we'll let them get married because at least maybe one day I'll get invited to one of these really great parties and then I'll finally be able to benefit from this world of equality. I think maybe that was the key difference between the plebiscites and the referendum. 
I just think, you know, A, you know, everyone kind of is a little bit gay, but not everyone's a little bit indigenous. And B, everyone was like, gay wedding's pretty good. Whereas I don't see what I get out of giving indigenous people an advisory body to parliament. That doesn't seem like fun for me. And I, I think if they had like pitched it as, I think that they, the yes campaign should have pitched it as, hey, this is what white people get out of it. None of it was, there was no clear incentive for white people to vote for it other than, hey, this is the moral right thing to do. And this is part of reconciliation, yada, yada, yada. That's very boring to most, you know, white bystanders. You need to give them something. You need to give them an incentive. You need to tell them, hey, this is going to make your life better in some way. I'm trying to think how they could have pitched it differently so that white people would see a benefit from giving Indigenous people a voice to Parliament. I mean, maybe they could have been like, hey, we'll give them a voice to Parliament and then after that, we promise that you can walk up like Uluru again. Uh, maybe that was that... Is that a compromise that they could have said? Give us the voice and you can walk up Uluru again. You know, you can do what Sam Newman did. Walk, climb to the top, hit a golf ball off the top. Sure, it's insensitive. Sure, it's no good. You know, obviously that's that's a really awful thing to do. But there are some white people who'd be like, okay, that's a compromise we can work with. I've always wanted to see the view from the top of Uluru. You know, I saw Pauline Hansen climb up there a couple of years ago, and then she got stuck halfway up there. And, you know, she might still be there. I'm not sure if she ever got down. I know she got stuck. That was the last thing I heard about the story. She might still be there. Maybe she needs our help. Maybe we need to go back there. Someone has to climb up and rescue her. She's been there for a couple of years, uh, stuck on Uluru. Maybe that could have been part of, part of the deal. Give us the voice back. And then white people can climb Uluru again and, and rescue Pauline Hanson, who's been trapped on the side of the rock for a couple of years now. You just got to give people some sort of incentive. Otherwise, their, their default position is going to be, ugh, I'm just going to do no, because ugh, I, don't, I don't really want to like make any changes right now. I kind of think that we should just kind of like, when things, things are fine for me, so I'm going to like, Leave it as is. I've been saying this for a while. I really think Indigenous people need to start doing terrorism. I really think it's bizarre that they're not, you know, because you look at how a lot of people become radicalized into terrorism. Like you look at how white people, you know, these disaffected young white men, for example, in America, like basically what happens is they go on YouTube one day and they click on the wrong video and that starts them down into this awful youtube algorithm they spiral then they start looking at jordan peterson videos ben shapiro videos next thing you know they're neo-nazis and then uh, the girl they have a crush on refuses to fuck them and then the next thing you know uh they're storming the capital it's very easy for white people to become terrorists and yet then you look at indigenous people some of the most oppressed people on the face of the planet and have been so for many generations still not terrorists I think that maybe it's time, you know, they just said, okay, fuck it. We're not doing the voice to parliament. It's time for the bomb to parliament. It's time 
to really shake things up, start doing some terrorism, and then hopefully we'll finally get some sort of process underway for reconciliation. I mean, you know, you see Hamas people, these Hamas terrorists flying into Israel on these fucking paraglide glide machines. Why don't we see indigenous people doing that, descending on Canberra, you know, landing on the lawn of Parliament House, which I got to say is a beautiful landing strip if you do plan uh, to enter the ACT via a motorized paraglide. You can really, it's you got a great landing strip on the lawn of Parliament House. You'll have a very, very smooth landing. Then you can get off and just start shooting politicians randomly. And I think that that might get things further along in the process. I think at that point, white people would be like, yeah, 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 no, you can have the voice because um, this is a bit scary. Which leads me into the uh, week two of the war between Israel and Hamas. Thank you for the uh, nice messages that people sent me last week for my thoughts on that. It was uh, my least funny episode, but I think people um, uh, found it interesting at the very least. So I appreciate the thoughts on that. So week now into the second week of this war. It feels like it could go, could go on for a while. You got to feel bad for Zelensky, don't you? You got to feel bad for Zelensky because... He's had the number one war for like a year and a half now. So he's had all the support from from the West. He's had all the money coming in from the US and he's had um, all the media coverage, et cetera, et cetera. And now all of a sudden he's been trumped by the war between Israel and Hamas and no one's really talking about what happens in Ukraine at the moment. People have, you know, taken the Ukraine flags out of their bios and they've gone with an Israeli flag or a Palestinian flag to show their support. Because you can't have multiple flags in the bio. Everyone knows that. It's too confusing for people. You can't have that many causes. If you had, if you kept every flag in your bio over the years, you'd have every, I think every country's flag would be in there. You'd have, you'd have like Syria. You'd have uh, France, because remember they had the terror attacks. You'd have... Um, you know, America, because they have a school shooting every you know, three or four days. Um, you'd have like most of Europe, because they have all had terror attacks. You've had the UK, they have the London bombings. You'd have too many flags. People would think that you're just a fan of the Olympics. Like people would be like, what? what's with all the flags? Are we still commemorating the Charlie Hebdo attack? That was 16 years ago. So people like to have one flag in their bio at a time. And, and sadly for Ukraine, sadly for Zelensky, uh, the Ukrainian flag has been has lost pride of place in a lot of people's bios. It's been replaced by the Israeli flag or the Palestinian flag. Or if you don't want to take a side, you just don't, you don't post a flag and you just kind of hope for peace. And I got to say, it's, it's been hard for, you got to, you got to feel bad for celebrities and influencers because it's been tough for them too. You know, people talk about, you know, the innocent civilians being killed um, in Israel and, and the kids and, and, and civilians being bombed in, in Gaza. Uh, obviously, you know, this war is, is horrific and the images coming out of there are just are sickening. But the influence and the celebrities are having a tough time of it as well because, you know, they're trying to work out which side do I support? Because we all know silence is violence. Silence is violence. That's a rhyme. So, you know, it's true. Silence is violence. Vote no. Don't know. Vote no. Silence is violence. So, being silent on this issue is not really an option for celebrities and influencers because eventually someone's going to call upon them to choose a side. And this is a very hard conflict for them. Like I think the Ukraine war, so easy. Slam dunk if you're a celebrity or an influencer and you're trying to choose the right side because 
you know, obviously your team Ukraine because they were not invaded. You know, Russia was the aggressor here. They're the ones who, you know, fired the first shots. It's pretty clear. And so it's easy to be like, yep, we're team Ukraine. You know, got the flag up there. Took them a while to work out which flag was Ukraine's flag, the blue and yellow one. I think a lot of them thought it was the Swedish flag for a period. They're like, oh, no, 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 that's the cross one. We're going to go with uh, this one. We've, well, they worked out what the Ukraine flag was. I popped it in the bio. And then they were heroes. And they were then they led the way. And they're really the true heroes of the conflict. I mean, people talk about, you know, the soldiers on the front lines in Ukraine um, risking their lives to defend their, their homeland. But a lot of people don't talk about, like, you know, the Kardashians who uh, put Ukraine flags in their bios and uh, as a result, um, didn't harm their careers. So I, th- I think that celebrities and influencers are having a tough time with this one because it's not as easy, it's not as clear cut as it was with Ukraine and Russia. You know, Israel was the, uh, you know, was the victim of this awful, awful terror attack where we saw innocent people being killed. But then, of course, their response has led to so many innocent people being killed in Gaza. So it's, you know, as soon as you put a flag in your bio, all of a sudden, you know, you're alienating half the population. Like, you know, if you put the Palestinian flag, in, if you're a celebrity and you put the Palestinian flag in your bio, risky move because, I mean, let's be honest, I don't want to perpetuate stereotypes, but my people, the Jews, were pretty influential in Hollywood. So, you know, if you put, if you put the Palestinian flag up there, there's a chance that there's going to be some some Jewish people in decision-making positions, you know, who see that and then decide, you know, maybe not to give you a, a role in their upcoming movie. So that's risky. And then if you put, you know, the, the Israeli flag in there, you know, a lot of people have a very uh, progressive, young, woke, liberal fan base, many of whom uh, tend to be supporting uh, the Palestinians in this conflict. And then they risk alienating a lot of their fans so a lot of these celebrities and influencers they're doing the smart this is the smart thing that they're doing and it's it's actually a genius move what they're doing is they're saying i'm logging off i'm logging off and i am i'm 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 looking after my mental health that's what i'm doing i'm logging off and i'm looking after myself in this difficult time. The images coming out of this conflict are heart-wrenching and brutal. And I am logging off. I will not be logging on. I'm logging off. And you know when they say they're logging off, like they're still scrolling social media. Like they're still scrolling Instagram and Facebook and seeing what people are saying about them. They're just they're just like not posting. They're logging off. And that's really clever. Really, really clever. Because what they're basically saying here is like, Hey, I'm like not. I'm not even taking a side. I'm not even. I'm not. I'm not taking a side at all. I'm logging off. I I support everyone, and somehow I'm making this about myself. And I think that's an incredible gymnastic pivot to make. To make this about yourself. To find that's really. It's one of the most impressive things about influencers is that they are incredibly adept at taking world events uh, particularly tragedies and finding a way to make it about themselves in order to 
um, boost their engagement and get more followers. So, I mean, and it, we saw it with Ukraine, by the way, because, you know, a lot of these, you know, celebrities had no connection whatsoever to Ukraine. They couldn't have even located Ukraine on a map. They probably still can't. But they found a way to make it about themselves, you know, because if something bad happens in New York, they could be like, oh, I, I lived in New York, so, you know, this is about me. If something bad happens in London, they could be like, oh, but I, I lived in London, and so this is about me. And, and, and then when shit went down in Ukraine, they were all like, oh, you know, I had a chicken Kiev the other week, so, you know, I can relate to the suffering of the Ukrainian people. So they were very good at making it about themselves. Now, here they can't really make it about themselves by aligning themselves with either side. Like if they say, oh, I've, I've been to Tel Aviv, Great Beach, then people are going to, half the population will hate them. And if they're like, oh, I've been to Gaza and i got to say the hummus there is outstanding. And to be honest, I didn't realize that hummus and Hamas were different things until this week, but uh, I stand with the people of Gaza. You can't say that because you're going to lose, you know, half the audience and that's a very polarizing thing to say. And celebrities and influencers, they need to be loved by everyone. They can't have half the population hating them. So what they're doing is this very, very, very clever maneuver. It's brilliant. They're logging off, which means, you know, they can't get accused of like not posting something because it's like, I'm not, I'm not even online, guys. I'm not even, I don't even go here anymore. I'm not on Instagram. I've logged off to protect my mental health because I'm so empathetic. I'm, I'm, I'm an empath and I feel so sorry for all the people dying and I feel their pain so much that I have to take a break from social media. And this is my way of letting you know that I'm such a good person that I'm not even going to like engage in this. So just remember, I'm a good person. Um, and obviously, you know, you can think about the people of Gaza and, and the Israelis who have been killed, but also think about me in this time and my mental health journey. So, Congratulations to a lot of these celebrities who have found a way to make it about themselves. And, you know, because a lot of them have kind of stayed silent and you can't really work out. You're wondering, like, I wonder which side they're on. Um, Kanye West hasn't really come out to take a side. I think we can guess which side Kanye is on, for example, just based on his recent history. I think he's going to be siding with the Palestinians. He hasn't come out and made a public statement, but I think he would be. If, if I, in fact, Kanye, if he really, he could really shock people by coming out and being Team Israel. Like if he, that, if that might be the thing that gets him back the Adidas deal. Like if I were Kanye right now, surely his advisors are like, mate, this is your chance. This is your chance to make amends. You know, the Jews were pretty upset with you a few months ago when you came out and said they run the world. And, you know, after you said that, you know, they, they took away all your money, which was a bit kind of annoying because it kind of perpetuated the stereotype that the Jews do run the world. But the point is, Kanye, you got a chance to make amends. You got a chance to get the Yeezys back, mate. You can get the Yeezys back in circulation. Think about that. You could get your millions of dollars back. And, you know, Kanye is just sitting there being like, man, if I, just, if I can just post... If I just pop that Israel flag in my bio, in my bio, oh, I could be back, baby. I could be back in the red. So it'll be interesting to see what Kanye does. Does he take the money, or does he? If I mean, let's be honest. If anyone should be taking time off social media to protect their mental health, it is Kanye West. So I could understand him being silent and taking some time away, logging off 
to preserve his mental health. With that, I'll be logging off as well. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just to let you know, I'm back in Australia for a couple of weeks. I've got a show in Nary Warren this Saturday, the 21st of October. Then I'll be in Sydney to do a show on the 26th of October and in Melbourne CBD on the 28th of October. If you'd like to come along, head to my website, michaelshafer.com. In these difficult times, though, all I ask is that, you know, it's, it's remember it's about you. Remember that, you know, every conflict, every awful tragedy you see on the news, at the end of the day, it's about you. And it's really important that we all take um, some time to preserve our mental health. And it's really important that, you know, we just, we look away. We look away in these challenging times so that we're okay. So that we're okay. In all seriousness, though, if you actually would like to make a difference, there are some great charities that exist out there. The Red Cross is running an appeal right now. I'd encourage you to donate to that. There are also several charities that are helping the victims of the violence in Israel too. I'd encourage you to support both charities and uh, not take a side and rather just, uh, you know, support whatever side it is that is trying to stop innocent people getting uh, blown up. Let's choose that side. I'll see you next week. Good night.